You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and But probably not. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. Yes, Theater Geeks Anonymous, where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and newarks. Who fails, who sues, we tell their stories. Yes, we will. We're going to tell it good. How you doing, geeks? It's nice to talk to you. Oh my gosh, how are you, geeks? <laughs> We're going to call you all geeks, mm-hmm. so I we hope are you too. like that. We are you're part of, geeks. You're part of our tribe. This is a tribe. <laughs> it's a tribe of geeks. That's right. Geeks reminds me of Sideshow the Musical. <laughs> and a geek was actually a guy in that would perform by eating a chicken's head off in one of those sideshows. Wait, shows. a live chicken, though? Yeah, oh, I think no, so. No, like, no, yeah. no. That no. was a geek. No. I know. Isn't that awful? Oh, no. I think that's right. I mean, I think that I'm correct. And I'm just going to say it with confidence. That's my motto. <laughs> say it with confidence. I want to talk to you guys real quick Ooh. on Sunday. Yeah. I saw Dear Evan Hansen. (gasps) I want to see that. I got up at four o'clock in the morning (laughs) and I thought that was going to be late. If I'm honest, (laughs) I did. Was this for a matinee? Yeah. So it was for the Sunday show. So I was walking to the theater and I was like, there's nobody here. Maybe there's no show because nobody else is here because (laughs) I have done lines for a lot of shows and I'm never first. So anyway, the there were uh, a couple of uh, young people next to me, 
that that <laughs> the girl she was like literally in her pajamas with a blanket and she <laughs> kept saying to me i'm so glad you're sitting in a chair so that people don't think we're homeless <laughs> but the show was so good Tell i us, was uh, like a synopsis for the people that don't know so the synopsis is there's this young man who has a social anxiety uh and so he uh he has um he lives in a single parent home with his mother um, and he is in his senior year of high school and he's going to therapy to try to help him with the social anxiety and the te- and the, the therapist asks him to do these letters for himself uh, daily or at least once a week and they always start out, Dear Evan Hansen. Um, he's very formal with himself. I know. Uh, uh, today is going to be a great day because... Okay. Um, and so one of these letters he writes through a series of events that I'm not going to tell you, gets into the hands of a family who has just lost their son um, because he committed suicide. And because of the way Evan writes his letters, they, they think that it's actually his son, their son writing a letter to him. Oh, so this, this is the beginning of a story that just, unravels and he gets deeper into this lie at the end i f- i was like yeah i need a therapist <laughs> i just felt like this show was so got so into my head well you know what that's a true testament of is that n- anybody that feels socially anxious or uh an outsider in any yeah. kind of way they are not the only one because right. these guys have written a broadway musical about it so right. you can say gosh that comes right out of my own head but mm-hmm. it also came out of their head which means you're not alone no okay so today's musical that we're gonna talk about <laughs> is it? it's leap of faith Whee! <laughs> <laughs> leap of faith the musical was based on the 1992 film of the same name is it that long ago yeah and the the cool thing is, um, Leap of Faith the musical opened exactly twenty years from the time that the film was released. <laughs> Did they do that on purpose? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> and what? And once we go into the story of how things unfolded, then you'll learn that like they really, really did not plan for okay. it to take twenty oh, years. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Leap of Faith, the movie, is about a con artist who tours a miracle working show complete with glitzy suits, fake healings, and an exuberant gospel uh, music choir. (laughs) He does this all while blindly robbing people of their hard-earned money. The original film was written by Janice Sircone. It was directed by Richard Pierce, and it starred Steve Martin as the faith healer con artist named Jonas Nightingale. Deborah Winger plays Jonas's right-hand woman and the stage manager. Her name is Jane Larson. And Liam Neeson was the sheriff, Will Braverman, who vowed to get Jonas and his show out of town. Oh. Um, Like from the first? Well, from the very beginning. So here's the thing. So what happens is Jonas and his team of misfits con artists <laughs> he has like two buses and like two huge Mack trucks mm-hmm. um and they're driving to i believe it's tulsa oklahoma okay and on their way there one of the trucks breaks down oh right so they're just like hey why don't we put a show on well right because they didn't have 
they, they had to wait a couple of weeks for the part to come in oh, so that they could course. fix the truck, right? That's always a <laughs> thing. So he's like, well, let's make a show. And so they end up in this little town called Rustwater, Kansas. And the reason why Liam Neeson's character, Will Braverman, is so against them coming is because Rustwater is in a very difficult uh, position. They have a heavy drought and they're a farming town. Mm. So they, they are people are losing their jobs. The plants have closed. A lot of plants have closed down. So people are losing their jobs. The, the because of there's no rain and they're in a drought. Uh, the people who own farms are having a very difficult time uh, growing any crops. Yeah. Um, I believe it said in the movie the last like two or three crops had failed. Oh. And if they didn't get rain by like the end of that week, it was going to be another year of crops that would would fail. Wait. Did they get rain at the end of this movie? I'm not telling you what happens (laughs) at the end of this movie because I want you to go watch it. Okay, I will. I will. I I actually really do want to. It's on YouTube to rent for $2.99. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not bad. (laughs) Um, I bet it rains. Not not saying. Not saying. Keep going. She's not giving. I'll take it to my grave. It's going to my grave. Um, all right, so they also have a 27% unemployment rate, which okay. is, like, pretty... Very high. It's very, yeah, it's really <laughs> Especially bad. Especially for a small town. It really is. And so um, one of the first people they meet when they get to Rustwater is this young woman named Marva, mm-hmm. um, because they go to the diner to eat, as you do, <laughs> um, and she's a waitress who works at the diner. Wait, and is it the only diner in town? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's one of those dust bowl towns that you literally see like the tumbleweed. I mean, it's just so (laughs) stereotypical. This is she's going to be the love interest, right? Yes, for Jonas, the waitress at the only diner in town. Probably hates his guts when she first meets him. Of course. (laughs) Okay, keep going. Of course, it's the only way. I'm hooked. It's the only way. (laughs) Um, and she, the so she is. She has a brother that she's a sole caregiver for because their parents died in a car accident with a drunk driver. Uh, and now her brother is crippled. He's a teenager. He's about okay. 15 years old. And she looks like she's probably in her like early 20s, maybe oh, mid at most. They're very young yeah. to have lost both parents and for her to like have to take care of him herself. No kidding. So um, the fun thing that I that I did not know about this movie is that it is based on a real person. It is? It is based on a man named Peter Popoff. (laughs) I know. Popoff? I know. I feel like Nightingale, Popoff, why not? (laughs) Like, why not? She's like, his real name is dumb, so I could just make whatever I want, and what are you going to say about it? Because the real dude's name is Peter Popoff. There you go, Peter Popoff. It's fun to say. I like the peas. <laughs> Peter Popoff. Peter Popoff. <laughs> if I married him, my name would be Pamela Popoff. But I wouldn't marry him because no, he's a con artist. He's a terrible human being. <laughs> Tell me about him. Peter Popoff <laughs> claimed to be a prophet, but used a radio transmitter earpiece so that information oh. could be sent to him by his wife. So his wife would be backstage and she would be telling him things about people in the audience okay. through an earpiece he had. Now, they took that and put it directly into the movie so that Jonas wears an earpiece mm-hmm. and Jane Larson, who's played by Deborah Winger, um, she's actually on their bus. Okay. And she uh, has like three computers up 
And this movie's so old, there's like MS DOS. There's no <laughs> Google, guys. I was like, I don't understand how she's finding this information <laughs> on the limited interwebs that we had. She has like a full laptop in their car. And I'm like, we don't have Wi Fi. Like, how are you doing this? I still that's don't a understand. That's a question. She I, must have plugged in somewhere. Somewhere. I don't understand how any of that stuff was <laughs> she happening. She has the longest Ethernet cable in, no, it, the phone cable. Right. It would because be the it would be modem. Phone cable. Yeah. Dial up. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Anyway, so. So Jane, so Jane Larson is, uh, she's like the counterpart to the real life wife of Peter Popoff. Okay. And so she feeds information to Jonas in the revival meetings and like tells him which people to pick out of the crowd and, and say, you, you know, women with the blue hair and the floral dress. <laughs> and she literally says blue hair in the floral dress, <laughs> um, and tells them like what to say or tells Jonas what to say. And so uh, this convinces people that he is a, a prophet. Yep. So um, Peter Popoff was originally outed by a magician by the name of James Ray, who was a skeptic and an atheist. James Ray hid a radio scanner in one of Popoff's revival meetings and revealed his findings on none other than The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's amazing. Yep. And then soon after, Popoff was bankrupt and disappeared for a number of years, only to pop up again <laughs> and scam more people. Um, and then he was outed again in 2007. Okay. But this did not stop him. Because you guys, <laughs> what is he doing now? Man is still out there. <laughs> Seriously? Dead serious. You can go on YouTube. Okay. And you can find Peter Popoff and his miracle spring water. Shut up. Which is actually water he's bought at Costco. <laughs> it's the most chintzy thing I ever saw in my life. You know, usually you'll get like vials, like yeah. those nice little plastic vials sure. with like a screw top. He can't even spring for those. <laughs> It's like a little bag. It's like a baggie of water. <laughs> like a like a little sandwich baggie? Yes. Oh, my god! And he puts them in envelopes, and they also have, like, some special oil. Okay. And you can get those for free, but then he will bombard you with letters for the rest of your existence on the planet <laughs> for money. Okay. And that's how he is now a multimillionaire. Wow. He's terrible. <laughs> this is... Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Special place in H D H E double hockey sticks. Wait, that's right. How do you spell that? H H E double hockey sticks. <laughs> okay, so Janice Sircone, uh, she wrote the screenplay after her husband Michael Mannheim, a film producer, encouraged her to take a screenwriting class. Oh, Janice was formerly, before she was a screenwriter and executive at A and M Records. She co-wrote the screenplay with a magician friend of hers by the name of Ricky J. Another magician? Well, I mean, if, if you watch the movie, you know, you can sort of see there's some things that he did, some it's illusions very, yes, that was, Jonas did, like yeah. the crosses on the forehead. Yeah. Um, and then there's like this huge scene where like Jesus is crying or bleeding. Okay. Um, and that's like a huge... Thing that makes a bunch of skeptics become believers. Wow. So, yeah. So, I think that Ricky, you can, if you watch the movie, it feels like he had uh, a lot to do with it and helped her with illusions. It has been reported that while they were on the set of the film, Sir Cohn's producer husband turned to her and said, 
this should be a musical. That is one very supportive husband, by the way. I, he gives her really good ideas. I'm telling you, <laughs> and as even even though obviously because it's on our show, Leap of Faith flopped, he was like the best supporter. That's awesome. Like to the very end. Was he one of the producers? He he was actually. Oh, he was. Nice. It's in two thousand. Enter Mr. Alan Menken. Oh, Alan Menken! <laughs> to ask him to help them make their dream into a reality. All right, so enter the musical. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Janice Sircone asked Alan Menken to call his friend and frequent collaborator, Glenn Slater. Again, this was in 2000. Okay. When Sircone signed on to write the book... Alan Menken informed her that musicals usually take 10 years to finish. Now, I'm saying this because from the time that Janice sold her screenplay to Paramount Pictures and it was released was just six months. Okay. Wow, that's fast. So her frame of reference for the speed at which things, creative things get done is like six months, and then she was at A and M Records, so you'd say maybe a year, even. Yeah, you know, because to do like she's, a record, right? Because yeah. she's she's used to being in that world. So for her friend to tell her it takes ten years to finish a musical, she's like <laughs> not even believing anything. Like, no, no, even though, not for me. The book's already done. <laughs> even though it's two thousand, so Alan Menken knows what he's talking about. Yeah, she like if you're gonna listen to anyone, you should absolutely <laughs> listen to Alan Menken. Yes. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So Alan Menken, Glenn Slater, and Janice Sircone began working on, write, on writing the project and building their creative team and finding talent while Sircone's husband got the funding together. So Michael Mannheim, Janice Sircone's husband, was the first producer because he's a film producer. So she figured, you know, he had enough. Mm-hmm know how to at least be able to figure it out sure um and i would think that as we'll go on to see the beautiful thing about her husband was he's one of the few husbands who when he didn't know where he was going he would ask for directions oh nice (laughs) so there are reports that this may or may not have been paramount pictures first time producing a musical with one of their films okay sir cone jointly owned the rights with them and the complications of securing the rights with paramount pictures became became such that michael Mannheim, her husband um, brought in Broadway veterans to help secure the project. So the problem was the back and forth was difficult because Paramount Pictures was trying to set a precedent for if they sold any other films right. um, to someone in order for it to be turned into a musical. Sure. So it was like every decision they made felt like a precedent, oh, which just man. felt like it just made Pressure. it take, 
Yeah. And so it just felt like it took so much longer. And also Michael Mannheim is not used to being a jack of all trades because when you're working on a film, you have a lot of people because you already you've been given the money already to like do what you're going to do. But when you're a producer, you're working for no money Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get the funding so that you can create something. Right. So and producers are like the catch all. They're the jack of all trades. Yeah. theatrical producers are film producers are not so he understood once he got into it that he was he was at a disadvantage in terms of knowledge of being able to know how to do all the things so he hired people that knew yeah and so he worked with them so um i did get a quote from new york times article Sorry, no, that's the Hollywood Reporter. Okay, so Mannheim realized he needed help, starting with a theater attorney in New York, and he reached out to other experienced theater producers. He teamed up with Endgame Entertainment Group in Los Angeles, led by James D. Stern and Douglas Mayer, and the Frankel Group in New York, which includes Richard Frankel, Stephen Baruch, Mark Roth, and Thomas Vertel, which are big names here in New York. James Stern said... There's not a distributor. We are the distributor, the marketers and the creative producers. Uh, He said this about um, the difference between the theater and producers in a studio. Wow. We are all of it. So a lot of skill sets go into it. (laughs) Um, Another huge difference is financial. In movies, Mannheim noted, deals are almost always front loaded. How much money can I get now? Because there's really... There's rarely a back end. In Mm -hmm. theater, there's no front end. I mean, there isn't any money. And if the show (laughs) flops, there is no money. If it's a hit, there's real money to be made. Sir Cohn said, I've been working on this show for 10 years and been paid zero. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's how it goes, man. That is how it goes. That's the theater. You do it for love. That's right. It's a crapshoot. You don't know what's going to happen. It's true. Okay, so... Taylor Hackford directed the Ray Charles movie, and he had always wanted to do a musical, um, but he declined to do a musical of the Ray Charles movie, but did announce that his theatrical directorial, directorial debut would be with Leap of Faith. Okay. That seems like a really good match. It does, but, but. <laughs> he quit during the first three years of its development. Oh. Yeah, you don't want to bring the director in that that soon. You want to have the script and and the money, and then you bring in the director who will bring in the rest of the cast and crew. But again, we're working with film people. Yeah. No offense, but no. it's a, it's just a different, a completely different animal. Yeah. All right. So after the three year development, the show had a reading with Sutton Foster as Marva. Love her. I know. <laughs> we're big fans. <laughs> And then Raul Esparza as Jonas Nightingale. I think it's just Raul Esparza. Is it? Yeah, Raul Esparza. Really? Yeah. Okay. Raul Esparza. I'll be saying it like that <laughs> the rest of the time then. Okay. <laughs> okay, so after the work that Sir Cohn, Alan uh, Menken, and Glenn Slater did, mm-hmm. the show finally... Uh, it finally had its first tryout on September 11th in 2010. Okay. So it did take the full 10 years. Wow. Trying to adapt this from a movie into a musical. 
The show was put up on its feet at the Amundsen Theater in, in LA? Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The production was directed and choreographed by Rob Ashford. Oh, which is okay. The name most of us know. Absolutely. The show had Raul. Yes. <laughs> reprise the role of Jonas, and Brooke Shields starred as Ma- Marva. Shut up. Dead serious. But here's the change in the story. So the story was originally, like I said earlier, in, young the, woman. in the movie. Yeah, the young woman and her brother. Right. They changed it. Marva is a single mother. Okay. And it's her son who's crippled. Okay. And there's like uh, her husband died in the car accident. Gotcha. I'll buy that. So so that's what th- that's what the difference was. Then you there. don't have to get a child actor. No. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> We're going to cut that. <laughs> Because that was real dumb. <laughs> like, wait, what? There's still a child. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, it's okay. go ahead. <laughs> um, all right, so the production was retooled so that the focus was on Marva and Jonas's relationship. Okay. So or, originally they kept it um, pretty close to the movie... Um, which can sort of get, it can get a little all over the place, the, the plot, cause you've got with the movie plot, you've got Jonas and then he's trying to get with Marva and then you've got Marva and her, um, her brother who's crippled. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, Jane who is like falling in love with the sheriff. Right. Oh. So yeah. Who wouldn't? Right, Liam Neeson. Strong, upstanding citizen. I mean, last Sheriff. name is Braverman. True. Uh, beat me over the head with a point. <laughs> All right, so the show was moved to focus on their relationship. Uh, here we go. Here goes with the downfall, guys. <laughs> Reviews of the L.A. production suggested that the show could be trimmed at a running time of two hours and 40 minutes. Okay. Which is actually pretty average right. anymore. But but it, it's like... But if it's a show like that, they yeah. wanted it a little shorter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, Leap of Faith closed in L.A. on October 24th, 2010. It had terrible reviews. But despite that, less than 24 hours later, a Broadway bow was announced. I don't know the thinking. Yeah, I wish that we could be a fly on the wall in that meeting. I know. <laughs> because I really looked into this and and I was like, why? Why after such terrible reviews right. would you still jump to a Broadway bow? I, you know, there is a thought process in the theater world that theater in L.A. is received so much d- differently than theater in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it. Like they thought, well, L.A. doesn't like it, but L.A. is a film town like that's, okay. you know, they don't they don't get it. They don't get what we're trying to do. But New York right. will because New Yorkers love theater and we're going to bring them this musical. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just conjecturing, but right. it could be like you said uh, with the Phil- Philadelphia audiences. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. didn't like West Side Story in the <laughs> <Right>. Kelly episode. <laughs> They're just notorious for hating good theater. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder. Yeah. All right. Well, um, here we go to the Great White Way. The book was revised by Warren Light. L E I G H T. Yeah, I think that's light. Does that sound right? Um, sure, why not? <laughs> and he cut 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Just right from the, the end? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can you 
question. And he was just like, let's just get rid of the last 10 pages. Yes. <laughs> You're done. You're out. <laughs> and this, this is probably one of my favorite parts. Another name drop because I love this person. <laughs> William Ivy Long. Oh. He remained on as the costume designer and he got to recreate that iconic shiny sequined jacket. I love William Ivy Long. Pamela knows this, like how much I love him because (laughs) he is a block away from my job, his studio, (laughs) and I like will walk out of my way just to walk past the studio because I just... I get this really weird text the other day. There yes. was like Williams out of the office. Blah, blah. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then she sent me the picture of the signboard outside of the office at William Ivy Long Studio. And she goes, He's not in the office right now. I was like, okay. He, he was there. He was like actually there. Oh, he was there. He was there. That's what I was saying. It's like I've walked by and he's never there. But he was like actually there. Like he had the door was open. He was like looking at oh, fabric. Oh, okay. He was like, Did you go in and be that. like, hi, I'm Ebony. No. I love your costumes. No. But the way he looks is like so iconic. Yeah. Like he, he just is. A, anyway, <laughs> I'm going off track, but I just love him. And so, um. Okay, so so obviously Raoul was going to wear the jacket in, mm-hmm. the, in the show. Okay, the character of Marva gets changed to she's now the sheriff. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so, so, oh, so they just cut a whole character then. Did they have the sheriff in the musical originally? Yes. Okay. So they did. So they cut. So you had Will Braverman, right, from the movie. Yeah. He gets... Uh, he gets the axe, sort of, <laughs> and is changed into Marva, who is now the sheriff, and her name is changed to Marla. Because <laughs> I guess that's important. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. And she's still a single mother. Okay. And her son is still crippled. Okay. And so instead of Jonas's um, partner in crime, who I will actually, I need to point out, they also change in the musical. She's now his sister. Oh, okay. Because in the movie, they were not sister and brother. So there's always that potential for them to get together. Right. They travel so they, forever. They wanted yeah. to take that completely it's out. out. Their brother, sister. That's right. No kissing there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Marva is now the sheriff. She's a single mother. And she's still the main love interest for Jonas. Okay. Okay. Um, and just like in the movie, Marla's son believes that Jonas can heal him. Another plot point we have in the movie, one of the biggest gospel singers of all time, Albertina Walker. In the musical, what they did was they actually gave her character a bigger part. Um, and so she had a family. Um, and so her son's name was Leslie Odom Jr., well, he up. was played by Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> um, and his name is Isaiah Sturdivant. His sister Keisha, was played by Keisha Lewis Evans. She's young, right? I think Keisha? so. Um, and so then she... But see, Ida May sounds like such an old name. So it now does. I'm like getting confused. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure Ida May was the sister. And then Crystal Joy Brown was Ornella uh, Sturdivant. Okay. Um, and so that side story was like Leslie's character once. So his father was a preacher. Okay. And um, they had a church and his father died. 
And so he wants to be the pastor of the church, but he has like a real heart to have people know God. Like he has a real heart for it. And he can see through what Jonas is doing Mm -hmm. and he doesn't like it. And he's grown up in this small town and he sees them conning. He he sees this Jonas's team conning people and he hates it. Yeah. Um, So that's your side. That's like a side story that was not in the movie that they added. Okay. I like that. But the beauty is you get to hear Leslie sing and watch him dance his little butt off. (laughs) And I'm the happiest. Like, it's so good. I love Leslie Odom Jr. Yes, yes. His wife just had a baby. It's going to be the best baby in the world. Congratulations. (laughs) So great. Uh, Okay, so that's, that's a side story that we have there. Okay. So um, the creative team changed hands again as Christopher Ashley took the helm directing and Sergio Trujulio choreographed. <laughs> Easy this for you to say. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jessica Phillips took over as Marla since Brooke Shields departed to replace BB Newworth and the Adams family on Broadway. <laughs> okay. I will also say that she did not get good reviews in L.A., so I'm sure that that factored a little oh, bit I'm into sure. her decision. Yeah. She was, they weren't so happy with her. Um, okay, so previews began at the St. James Theater on April 3rd, 2012. Oh, my gosh. So you're like, it even took them a couple of years. Even though they announced the Broadway bout yeah. like 24 hours, it still took two years. But again... Well, you know, they had this new creative team, so... Well, and if you, you cut 40 minutes out of any show, yeah. you're going to have a heck of a, a time figuring it all out. Yeah. Wow. True. Okay, so April 3rd, 2012, daily meetings were held with the creative team trying to work out problems from poor word-of-mouth reports. On April 26, 2012, the show opened to dismal reviews. Oh, a week later, the show was nominated for a Tony Award for Best Musical. Oh. A week later, okay, so the show, okay, the show was still bleeding $275,000 per week. Oh, I was, I thought you were going to say per show. I mean, per week is bad. Yes. But I thought you were going to say per show and be like, oh. <laughs> I mean, there were just two major closings of shows last week. Yeah. Um, And the Tony Awards, you I mean, we're pre-recording this, so yeah. by the time you guys hear this, the Tony Awards were way have happened. Yeah. But there are two a couple of shows that, that closed before the announcement, and I am such a geek, I do look at the Broadway grosses. Well, you know, it is interesting. It is. And so I, I was reading, and I could tell what was going to close soon. And one of the shows, I'm honestly shocked, being that it was a musical, yeah. it held on for so long. What? In transit. Oh, yeah, totally. Because it was not, it was making what some plays make that can't stay open. But, correct me if I'm wrong, because I did not get to see it, but in transit is all acapella, right? It is. So the overhead is not going to be nearly as much for a show without an orchestra as it is with an orchestra. So you could really almost even say that it should be the same budget for a play as it is for a show like In Transit. But the thing is, Significant Other was making more money than In Transit was per wow. week. And it didn't last as long. Yeah. 
I didn't get to see that one either. But that also, I felt like I was bombarded with train ads and with Facebook ads. So it's not for lack of marketing. No, not at all. That's, yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Perhaps for a future episode. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So uh, the closing announcement finally came down that the show would close on May 13th, 2012 after 24 previews and 20 official performances. Alan Menken took to Twitter stating that if people who love the show wanted to see it performed at the Tony Awards, they would need to buy tickets to the show. (laughs) And that was before the closing notice was announced. Needless to say, this call to action didn't work and the show closed before any of the Tony voters could see it. That's too bad. The show was the biggest flop of the 2011-2012 season. It lost $14 million. Which was all of its investment. Uh, it it didn't even break even. No. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is. After um, Afterwards, the creative team and producers stated that they could have benefited from another tr- out-of-town tryout with more time to make <laughs> revisions. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. And, like, I'm, you know, I'm a total backseat driver at this point. And, and who am I like to say? Every time I see that. Ah, it's okay. well, it's you know, it's not learning from from other people's mistakes. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Because you one tryout, one, w- one, and you didn't get good reviews. But then they changed the whole thing, so right. you have to. I mean, like at this point, it's a brand new show. You have to treat it like it's yes. a brand new show and go out of town first. Yes, and do the whole process over. Or at again. least do an off Broadway run. Sure, you know, like sure. something. Absolutely. I don't know. Okay. Oh. All right, so after the creative team stated they could have benefited, like I said, from an out-of-town tryout, mm-hmm. instead they decided to go ahead and jump at the chance to open just under the Tony Awards deadline with oh, the availability of the St. James that's Theater. Why. Because, and this is another show that we're definitely going to talk about, okay. on a clear day you can see forever had shuttered before it was thought to. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And guys, that was Jesse Mueller in that show. Yes, it was. With Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick, yeah. So I didn't get to see that one because I think that I was just going on I miss, tour again. Y'all don't know, but <laughs> I am like such a big Harry Connick Jr. fan. Like I love <laughs> him, and but I managed to miss both of his Broadway turns. Well, he was. I mean, they weren't long. They did. I heard long. Pajama Game was pretty great, though. I heard yes. I yeah. heard wonderful things. I am. And Hernando's hideaway when he's like on the piano. I heard that was some majestic stuff that went down. There's one song (laughs) in the pajama game Mm -hmm. that I hate so much (laughs) that it ruins the whole show for me. What song is that? There once was a man (laughs) who loved a woman. I hate that song so much. It makes me like, it makes me angry. It makes me murderously angry. (laughs) It's so stupid. We, we, so, so the guys at Broadway Curtain had asked their audience, like, what song it is that on the soundtrack, when they listen to the soundtrack, they always skip over it. Yeah. I believe that would be your song. It would be. Yes, it would. Yeah. That's your song. Oh, I hate it. Oh, I hate it so much. And that's the one they did on the Tony Awards. Yeah. And I hated that. I, I was like, no. I, but, 
But they did it with Hernando's Hideaway because I do remember yes. seeing. Yes, they did. Yeah. And that part I liked because I, I love that song. It was so good. I just hate it. It I doesn't know. make any sense to the musical. And I like want to pick it apart so much to find <laughs> out why they even added it in there because it's just so dumb. <laughs> She's so angry. It doesn't even get the whole word. So <laughs> just gets uh, so dumb. <laughs> um. So that's that's Leap of Faith. I mean, guys, theater is a crapshoot. It is. It is. 75% of shows lose money on Broadway. 75? 75%. Wow. I, so I'm getting still a winner such, is like a hopeful like, little girl. Like, I just, want, I, know. I just want them all to succeed. I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I, like, I don't watch... I don't like watching competition reality shows. No, I don't Because either. whenever anyone loses, I'm so sad about it. Well, and you're like, no, but the potential. They had such potential. I know. I know. <laughs> Even if they're like, meh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made it to the show. Yeah. So they can't be so terrible. Sometimes yet. it's because they create drama that they make it to the show. Right. And that's another reason why I can't watch them. I, that's why I can't watch yeah. them. I hate that stuff. That combat, like that combative attitude that you get sometimes from people, and ugh, it's no good. Or like they're just there to play the game. Yeah. I hate that. I know. There was I was watching. Um, I can't remember what season this was, but I'm a big binge watcher. I don't know if you knew that yeah. about me, <laughs> geeks. I'm a binge watcher, and so like I don't know what it was, but I was on this like Biggest Loser kick. Uh-huh. And there's like 25 seasons of The Biggest oh, Loser. Gee- no, 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 joke. no, 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 no joke. And they're all on Netflix. 25. 25- 25? It's not even been oh, on that long. <laughs> Maybe not 25. It's not been 25 I might years. I'm exaggerating slightly. I but bet they do two, like two seasons a year, I think, or I, something I bet like they do. that. I bet they do. Because I know um, that, oh, Bob Harper mentioned mm-hmm. working with another cast while filming that particular episode. So I know that they they do overlap them. But anyway, so I was watching this one season. And I can't remember the season. But there's this one lady on The Biggest Loser who just is there to play the game so that she can get the $100,000 or the $50,000 or whatever it is. And she's just, it's like horrible because like, I watched this show thinking these people are going to make their lives better. Like, these are, like, morbidly obese, some of them super morbidly obese, which I didn't even realize was a thing until I watched the show. Like, just trying to to get a handle on their health and on their fitness, and they do remarkable things. And so, like, I love that kind of reality show. I Mm -hmm. love until you get a cast member like that who's just there to play the game. And, like, yeah, she did lose some weight, but I wonder how long she's going to keep it off Mm -hmm. because all she was there for was the money. So it's just, I don't know, it just makes, makes me, me sad. You put money in the mix and, like, you're just going to get the worst of the worst kind of people vying for it. Well. I just brought a downer. <laughs> I always bring a downer to the I show. Know, I mean, here, here, so here's the little upside of what's happened to Leap of Faith so far. I mean, it is, it's done community theater. Um, there are Christian groups Can that like imagine, to do it. Like high school theater, like with a little little person, like a little fourteen year old boy playing Jonas. Like I just want to kiss him. He's I so know, cute. I know, but it's like that's shiny jacket. Yeah. That's some work. Whoever has oh, to make man, that thing. You know what you do at that point? You just like do the spray on glue and then throw glitter on it. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that's what I would do. But I'm no William Ivy Long. <laughs> 
<laughs> William Ivy Long with his Fulfillian Tony Awards. Oh, can I just tell you too? Like mm-hmm. costumes are no joke. No. And, like, this year's, I'm so excited oh. with Hello Dolly yes. and the Great Comet of 1812. Yeah. Like these costumes are gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Stunning. And I can't. Anastasia. Oh my god! Holy gosh. crap! I can't. Yes. The costumes this year are amazing. Well, and even like a small show like Amelie, I think, will be really just very sweet. Yeah. And what else? Well, Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard. I love it. Oh, I've got another story. So many stories today, and we're running out of time. (laughs) I'll probably have to cut it in post. Um, When we were in L.A. with Phantom of the Opera. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Name drop. My friend Tana and I were in the show together, but she and I were living in a house together. Mm-hmm. And so we would, ha- we in Silver Lake, we would have to drive from Silver Lake to go to the Pantages Theater, and you would always have to drive on Sunset Boulevard. And I <laughs> kid you not, every single time I turned on the sunset, I would go, Sunset Boulevard! And I couldn't help myself. Like it was so, <laughs> it was so ingrained that as soon as I clicked on the, you know, the turn signal, yeah. I just sang it. <laughs> I wonder if Tana remembers that. We'll have to ask her. She probably does. (laughs) I bet she she does. does. It's something that is indelible, just like, you know, burns into your brain. Oh, God, Pamela, whenever we turned on a Sunset Boulevard. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe she says it happily. (laughs) Well, that was a good story. Yeah. You know what? It. Let's recap, because it takes a huge long time to yes, get a musical on Broadway. It does. And you have to be patient and just know that it's going to take your time. It, if you change the show in any way, you should always go out of town again. And try it. Or at least go off Broadway and try it. Right? You have to do yeah, it again. before you hit Broadway. If the temptation is there to go to Broadway simply so that you can get on the Tony ballot, don't do it. Don't do it, because you won't get on the Tony no, ballot. No, you won't. You won't. Or you can, so, but you'll you lose because exactly. they got on, but they lost. Exactly, because they couldn't stay open. It was a, it was not ready to stay mm-hmm. open on Broadway yet. Hmm. All right, that was our recap. Yep. So what are we saying? We're saying break and a leg. scene. Break a leg. Maybe Bye. I'll change it to curtain. And now I think I like and scene. And scene, yeah. And scene. Break a leg. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.